My name is Lindsay Fleming, and I'm here today with Paul Schaller, who is a serial entrepreneur. You've done that a little bit all over the country, um, which we'll get into a little bit as you share your journey, but you've also stepped away from some of that and then went into ministry. You and your wife are co-pastors, small groups at a church out in California, um, and now here with CFI in Wheaton, now that you're back and kind of settled in the Chicago area. But Welcome to the podcast today. Thanks for joining me and sitting down. But for some of the people who might not know your history or um, just aren't familiar with CFI and mm. you're you're not a stranger to CFI, but maybe you could share a little bit of your journey um, of your career. I know that's going to be a challenge, but <laughs> maybe you could just give us some of the, the high points. Yeah. Uh, well, an easy way to look at it would be sort of at a very maybe fifty thousand foot level. I'm a pilot, so. right? I'm, that would that's right up your alley. So <laughs> yeah, fifty thousand so feet, 50, not so bad. Then we'll come down to come down a, <laughs> a level or two. But yeah, basically born and raised in Des Moines, ended up in the Navy, then went uh, uh, got married and um, moved to Cleveland, where I got undergrad degree. We both uh, then moved to Boston, both involved in high technology areas. And uh, I went to uh, grad school there. And then um, started on the 128 uh, tech corridor because mm-hmm. I love technology. And uh, um, and and that was a new bunch of people that were involved in it. And well, some of those people moved to California. And uh, mm-hmm. so they decided to invite me to come uh, work for a startup. And I'd been in California briefly when I was in the Navy. I was on station on Treasure Island uh, for a while. Yeah. And uh, so I loved California. Yeah. So that became an a easy thing to do. Uh, worked there basically in entrepreneurial startups uh, for about 23, 24 years, and then uh, ended up uh, helping other companies get started as well as uh, running companies myself. And then um, ended up working at uh, church for a while, Menlo Press, Menlo Park Presbyterian at the time, okay. Menlo Church now. Yeah. And uh, then moved on uh, to uh, uh, to work at an airplane company in northern Idaho called Quest Aircraft. And uh, then my wife uh, had a ministry that ended up moving called Q Place that ended up moving uh, here into the local Wheaton area. And uh, so we moved here. Uh, part-time and then full-time ultimately as we uh, are sort of unplugged, sadly, from northern Idaho, right. which is beautiful. Beautiful country uh, there. Yeah, so we really enjoyed it. So, um, and then started looking for things to do, ended up teaching uh, a course as an adjunct at uh, at Wheaton. Mm-hmm. And uh, then more recently, and then kind of went away from that for a little bit, and then came, came back to it more recently in this last semester, taught a course, you know, Faith in the Marketplace, uh, at Wheaton, so that's kind of so. A how, how did how did you get to that place of faith in the marketplace? That I mean, obviously, that's kind of the whole goal here of mm-hmm. CFI and even this podcast is intersecting the two. But mm-hmm. how did you how did you get to that spot? Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I was raised Lutheran in uh, Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Uh, okay. you're, you're taught to say the whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, and uh, I was confirmed there. And that's really one of the places I guess I would say I had a first experience of meeting God. And, and I really studied the catechism and really I wanted to understand what this was all about. My parents were very involved in the church. Okay. And so it kind of grew up grew up in mm-hmm. the church. Um, and that carried forward then into uh, into grad school, into uh, or into uh, school, um, also into uh 
my time in the Navy, uh, okay. which was which was an interesting thing. So I I was kind of jokingly referred to as the guy that didn't curse, uh, okay. which, was, <laughs> kind of, which was fine with me. Right. And uh, so you did not curse like a sailor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. Although I, I I know how to. Yes, I, I've you heard, could heard if it you plenty need. of times. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so then um, when after my wife my wife is Catholic, so uh, we had our own little reformation. Okay. And uh, after she and, and I, uh, we started with uh, children, really, mm-hmm. our first child was really a time where we decided to go back to, to church. Mm-hmm. Um, we hadn't really been attending since, since we were married. Yeah. And so that was about uh, six, eight years or so. And we decided to go back uh, to church because we knew we were going to have a family and, and move on from there. So we went to an Episcopal church. Okay. Uh, we, we were told Covering that, that, all was, the bases that was kind of the, yeah, the, in between. the, the, the in-between part. Yeah. And so we did that. And then when we moved to California, uh, to, for me to work in Silicon Valley and my wife was in technology as well okay. with many computer companies and doing a variety of things. And we started at Menlo church at uh, Menlo Park Press mm-hmm. at the time. And that, um, we, we then both got involved in BSF, mm-hmm. uh, went deeper in our faith. Uh, we were involved, uh, with that at some level, um, t- together. Uh, and at one point we were co-pastors together. Uh, for small groups, because small groups have been a, a real changing experience mm-hmm. for us, uh, both in BSF and outside of BSF. Okay. And so we decided to uh, um, figure out how to work that into into more our daily routine and, and our, our faith uh, into our work. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> so as I was uh, starting to run companies instead of just participate in them, uh, there's a big difference that comes along with taking on that responsibility of cutting paychecks and, right. and being responsible for people uh, and their and their well-being. And so, uh, faith really helped in in that area uh, of leadership. And uh, I found that it uh, that it really made a big difference in um, in my life as well. So it was I was winning as well sure. as uh, sure. doing something for others that was that was good as well. Mm-hmm. So um, that became more of a leadership style than it really was uh, necessarily, you know, management. I mean, I've been through all the management literature right. and all that stuff, uh, uh, which was which is good. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, but the faith component really added a piece to it that was that was very different. And have you seen that the faith component in work? Have you seen that kind of change over the years? Is it something that people didn't really talk about out in Silicon Valley many years ago? Do you see it? I mean, obviously you're close to it now through CFI, but how how have you seen that kind of change over the years and, or has it, I guess that would be a good question. Has it always been there or have you seen it kind of be a little bit more of a intentionality in business? Yeah, that's that's uh, that's an interesting question. Um, to start with, as working in uh, in a company, even a startup that's relatively small, uh, as a you know director of this or that, or senior vice president of this or that, you you're still not the one responsible for it, and so uh, you don't have as much latitude to be able to influence the actual culture of the company, other than by just through your own behavior and yep. your own choices. And so I definitely, uh, definitely did that. Um, as time went on, I would say Silicon Valley, I, I don't think Silicon Valley's gotten any more Christian or, right. or any less Christian. Uh, it started at 96% unchurched and maybe moved to 97. Right. So uh, it's, 
it's a pretty unchurched area. Right. Um, but there are pockets and there are a lot of places where there's uh, there's churches that, mm-hmm. uh, that that do really well. Uh, Menlo did uh, really well with the marketplace ministry we called okay. Straight Talk. I was on okay. the board of that. And so I got involved in that. And that was really a first marketplace ministries thing. Mm-hmm. You would ask about where yeah. did I really start to engage. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's where we started to engage. It was a breakfast. We'd invite uh, speakers uh, from around the country mostly yeah. uh, to come and speak. And we had probably 400, 500 people that would come to breakfast. Yeah. Uh, and wow. Yeah, and after after breakfast, they were you know all these venture capitalists and startups, and mm-hmm. it was just a really a, an interesting mix. And so um, after breakfast, they'd be cutting deals in the corner right. and <laughs> signing documents, and networking was, and yes, a little as well. Ne- networking in the in the physical in the literal sense, and so uh, so yeah, so um, I, I I think for me it made a big difference was uh, when I became a CEO at Quest Aircraft, okay. and Quest was founded with a whole different set of uh, financial parameters, which which was incredibly challenging. Only God could ever make it work. Okay. Uh, and uh, so I tried the venture capital thing and done that m- multiple times. This was a whole different uh, a whole different way of uh, founding a, a company. And uh, so I yeah, in, enjoyed that challenge. Uh, I was a CEO, so I got to be able to set the course for people from an HR standpoint. Okay. Uh, from kind of shape the culture a yeah. little bit more dramatically. Shape, yeah, yeah, and 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 I was more willing to grab the bull by the horns and do it. I had okay. the support of the board, a hundred percent in in all of that. So we ended up, and we were in Northern Idaho, which is a fairly um, religious oriented thing kind of the inverse of silicon right, valley right uh in terms of people going to church and things mm-hmm. like that the the company had a lot of uh, missionary kids associated mm-hmm. with it because they had had uh, uh done well with uh, uh mission aviation in the past and okay. so our primary customers were all the mission aviation organizations mm-hmm. and so we attracted lots of people that uh that were had been involved in both missionary activity as well as uh, uh, knew something about airplanes or, or how to run a business or how to be in a business. And so uh, for me, it was a little bit easier uh, to just be really bold about it. And so we would literally every plane we produced at the end end of the production line before we sent it off with the customer, we would all gather and put our hands on the airplane and pray for it. Wow. Yeah. It was pretty interesting. My I, grandmother still does that when she flies herself. So <laughs> well, I, I've seen that, but this is different. And uh, yeah. But that's a, a a way that you can easily incorporate faith and work. And uh, obviously your team is watching, yeah. you know, your whole business is watching that. And the company was a for-profit company. So it, right. we were selling to uh, all sorts of customers oh, mm-hmm. uh, that were buying it from all over the world. And um, I used to ask them before, we would do that if it was okay if we mm-hmm. prayed for their airplane. Yeah. And uh, literally many of the customers would be there and they'd be going, oh my gosh. Yeah. So uh, they were, they were nobody ever said no. Right. Who says no to that? Yeah, right. So that's, I guess, my sure. just track of my uh, involvement with faith and work, which kind of ended up uh, at the end with more, I guess I would say, um, more being more bold about it yeah. um, and using some of the leadership skills that I developed using Christian uh, principles mm-hmm. uh, as a way to teach and train others uh, that were involved in the company, other leaders that were involved in the company in how to how to do that. It's neat to look back and see how all those pieces connect to, yeah. to where you are today. But 
Talking a little bit about your journey in Silicon Valley and Mm -hmm. these startups, I can't imagine that that was always an easy process. Um, I mean, obviously a lot of success comes out of that industry, that area, but it's probably not always um, success and, you know, high fives. What is one of the challenges that you may have experienced during that time that really has impacted you as a person or as a business leader yeah. um, today? Can you think of a, something that stands out to you? <laughs> yeah, I think, um, well, the startup environment is very, is very different. Um, you certainly are trying to get a new idea or a new technology, in our case mostly, um, uh, operate, we're doing something that um, hadn't been done before. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a lot of high end of creativity Okay. But there's also a high end of, uh, for lack of a better term, catastrophe, because that creativity generates some interesting products, some interesting capabilities, and it may or may not hit the target market that you're after. The target market is always uh, moving, mm-hmm. and especially when it's small, the requirements are changing. Okay. A lot of the implementation, uh, especially of software, takes a while. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, you know, you, you don't just sit down on immediately next month and start start sending start doing something right. uh, commercially, and so it took uh, it took a lot of work in order to be able to do it. At the same time, you are going through a lot of, I guess I'd say, organizational transitions because uh, nine out of ten startups don't make it, mm-hmm. um, and out of the of the one that made it out of ten, right. um, you know maybe. 10, uh, 10 out of 100 uh, might make it for two or three years. Okay. And, and then they either get acquired or they go right. bankrupt or something happens. Lots of change. Um, so, yeah. So, it's a lot of a lot of change and a lot of dynamics. Uh, a lot of people that work in a job to start with mm-hmm. that aren't going to be the person that has that job as the company grows. And it's hard for people to accept that and recognize that. Yeah, I would, that. as you describe that, it sounds like it would be a very challenging place to not grow discouraged. Mm-hmm. You know, you could easily grow discouraged if something that you've poured kind of your heart and soul into yeah. your financial security in many cases, and then either have it not work out or have someone even take over and do it a little differently. So how did you not become jaded or just ultimately discouraged in that time? I think um, a a lot of that has, in changing organizations, Mm -hmm. uh, changing dynamics, has a lot to do with setting expectations for people. Okay. If if from day one, when you get involved with an organization, that the people in the company have an idea that only one out of 10 survives. I mean, there's a few of these things that a lot of a lot of leaders will just kind of gloss over. Of okay. course, we're going to make it. Of course, right. you know, da, 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 da. and then when when you don't, it, it it's just it's devastating big, to everybody. It's a big crash. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's a big crash, and that wrecks not. Uh, that sometimes that wrecks people's lives, not just yeah. their uh, career or their income. Um, the good news about Silicon Valley is there were so many startups that you could do this as a as a career, okay. as opposed to just sort of happening into one. Sure. Uh, if there weren't very many that were happening, so that was a real that was a real benefit to be able to do that. But you have to have a realistic perspective on mm-hmm. it, and being in leadership, it's incumbent on the leaders to really set those expectations mm-hmm. so that people. Um, 
people can be disappointed when something happens, but uh, ultimately the- uh, Not devastated. <coughs> disappointed, not, but not devastated. Yeah, and the safety net uh, in Silicon Valley and a lot of other places, the safety net is the people that you know that you've worked with in other places. Okay. So once you've gone through that two or three times, you now probably know 100, 200 people that have now all scattered to different companies. So okay. you, you connect with them and you say, you know, let people know, you know, what's going on. And if they had a positive working experience with yeah. you before, that's basically your network of, mm -hmm. of hiring opportunities. And so you just need to activate that network. Sometimes it takes a while. It takes, you know, six months or so to, to sure. locate people. And it's a lot faster now with uh, uh, with LinkedIn and other things. Right. But, uh, but it's a good call to how, yeah. how you are in the workplace, kind of back to faith and work, you know, how you treat others. Um, yeah. You know, obviously that could have a long, a lasting impact as we all need each other at some point and how we treat each other and honor them and uh, work together with people and how we value them really does go beyond just maybe that task for the day. Yes, and that, and that leadership style um, made it uh, interesting for people when I would call them and say, gee, I'm looking for a job or mm -hmm. have somebody call me and say, gee, I'm looking for a job. The fact that you were, um, I don't know, kind, that you yeah. were caring, that you really were concerned about. Uh, Cared about something other than maybe yeah. the product at the end of the day, that exactly. the people along the journey as exactly. you were. And so, I, I mean, it took a while. I, I had to grow in that, in that area. because we to, all? To start, yeah, to yeah. start with, it was all about getting the, getting the job done. Mm -hmm. And whatever it took, you, that's what you had to do in order to get the job done. Sure. And then you see a lot of the uh, detresis associated with that, where people burn out. They, marriages are yeah. gone. You know, mm -hmm. kids are, are ruined, wrecked yeah. and on drugs. And I mean, you know, yeah. it's just... It gets to be a lot of pressure that that um, uh, that, that you don't need, uh, and that can tend to ruin ruin lives. And so mm -hmm. that's not very kind and loving. And so right. that's that's uh, you got to be careful of careful of that. But set, I, I would say setting expectations that things might fail right. helps you keep your your network alive. alive. Okay. Helps you um, helps you deal with tragedies. Helps you explain mm -hmm. that kind of thing to your family and to. Right to your spouse and, mm -hmm. and, uh, uh, and also after a time you get to a point where you're, I wouldn't say necessarily second guessing, but you're, you're looking at the things that you're, le you're being led, uh, by a team of people in the organization. And if you can sense that that team is getting off track in terms of what they're trying to accomplish or their values or how they're trying to accomplish it, it's, time to, you know, to, to say, hmm, I'm not sure this one's going to make it. The, sure. the window of opportunity, the market may have, may have Changed, closed. A yeah. big competitor may have come in and launched a product that you've been working on for two years. And, and, and you know that it's going to be really tough to be able to try to succeed. So there's lots of, lots of things that can go on that can cause it to cause it to fail. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of wisdom over your time, different industries and experiences, locations, you know, geographically. Mm. What, combining all of that or even looking back, you know, you're working with new marketplace leaders, future marketplace leaders with your, your role at Wheaton. What is one thing, and it doesn't even have to be a student who's not even yet hit the, the workplace, but what would you say to maybe a young leader, a new leader, or just leaders in general, 
taking kind of that wisdom that you've collected over all of your stops, um, what would you kind of encourage them with? Or what, what do you wish you would have known earlier? Oh, wow. Um, that's interesting. I mean, one thing is, you know, don't take yourself too seriously. Okay. Yeah. Uh, have, you know, in, enjoy your work. I mean, God, God created work for, for our enjoyment and fulfillment as well as uh, to complete his plan. And so people don't have to be Christian in their religion in, in actively in work. But having people see and and uh, be exposed to Christian principles that are that are embedded in the culture of a company, mm-hmm. it's kind of like going to church right. uh, yeah. every day in, yeah. instead of mm-hmm. just on on Sundays. So I would say that um, the, the the leadership style and 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 understanding that you really do. Uh, have an impact on the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of leaders just step in and they think it's a business card with new things on it, and there's an office in the corner that and problems yours, to solve, you know. And, and your job is to just sit there and wait until problems come in and flop, flop on your <laughs> right. desk, and that nobody else can solve, and you're mm-hmm. the one that gets to solve the really, really tough ones. Right. And um, that's a very limited view of the impact of a, of, yeah. of a senior leader in an organization. Uh, you really start to take responsibility. Uh, I did anyway, t- uh, taking some responsibility for worrying about cash flow, which is always a mm-hmm. problem in every startup. Right. Um, <clears throat> it's it's actually not a not that big a problem in some big companies that have access to right. lots of cash, but in small startups it usually is. And so worrying about hiring people that um, that you know may or may not be able to make it longer than you know 12 months uh that's not that's not a good that's not a good way to uh to, to treat people to hire them mm-hmm. into jobs that are going to take take long right. take a short period of time for them to uh, not be able to be productive anymore okay. so you're careful about uh about people that you really can they really can get in and can have a good career mm-hmm. uh within the organization and uh can replicate the culture are in sync with and can replicate the culture to other to other people. Those are those are really important, important. things. And you may not like the culture 100%. There may be some things about it that you don't like. But if it, you, are those deal killers or not? Right. Are the is that something that if that became an issue, is that something that you would feel you had to quit over, uh, or is that something that you feel that you could um, come to some accommodation with? Sure. And, and tolerate uh, mm-hmm. tolerate something that you maybe don't feel a hundred percent good about, uh, but uh, but there, it's never clearly black and white. Yeah, uh, there are always uh, shades of gray. So knowing knowing where your lines are of what what you can tolerate and what you can't okay. uh, is really important. Well, great! So many nuggets of wisdom. I wish we had more time. We're going to have to do like some continuing oh, follow-up sure. podcast. So, thank you so much Lovely. for sitting down and sharing those nuggets of wisdom and your experience with us and, and how you blended it all together. So, oh, you're quite let, let's get back together for round two sometime I'll soon. Be glad to do that. Thanks. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you.